today we are emphasizing um, for our launch Sunday the church's disciple flow. So as a reminder, uh, our church's vision is to help people joyfully know Jesus Christ, love him more, and serve him better. And the way that we believe we can do that best is in obedience to the scripture and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we have hammered that out um, as leadership, your session and your pastors and staff, as our disciple flow that we implemented a few years ago. The disciple flow basically is, a, is a, something, a measurable tool in which we can look to uh, to know if we are uh, fully involved disciples here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian. And so our desire is for each and every member to be involved in at least one area that represents these four pieces of the disciple flow. Uh, obviously, worship, which I'm going to speak about here in just a moment, uh, happens here on Sunday mornings. And there is an expectation that God's people attend worship and are coming together, as we'll see from God's word here in just a minute. But we also think it's important for God's people to connect, to grow, and to serve. And you'll be hearing from the pastors this morning in those areas. And then as we dismiss to the Great Hall, you'll be able to see the various opportunities in which we as a church do that. So be in prayer about how the Lord might have you uh, plug in to each of those areas in at least one way um, as we go through this this morning. The church, by definition, is the church gathered. The church doesn't function apart from one another. It is the body of Christ, as the Lord Jesus has told us in his word. The body has many parts, but they don't function apart from one another. The body only functions when it's together. And we all know the difficulties of when our body is suffering from various things, how it doesn't always function well. And so we need to be together as the body of Christ. And perhaps the central way and most important way in which we do that is right here on Sunday mornings at 1030 when we gather together in worship and for worship. In our passage today, uh, there were many uh, uh, allusions, if you will, to the activities of worship when God's people gathered in the book of Acts Certainly their worship would have looked very different than ours. It would have been uh, more in homes and uh, certainly not as formal. Although, uh, as we see even in this passage, they continue to go to the temple. Uh, they continue to go to the synagogue. Uh, we often have the mistake of thinking that when the church began, it was completely separated somehow from the Jewish faith. But these early believers saw uh, the Christian faith as a continuation and a fulfillment of the faith that God had entrusted his people with. And so they continue to worship in many of the same ways and in the same manner, seeing Jesus as the fulfillment of that worship and of the scriptures that they studied. So I'd like us to look at uh, several of these things in a few minutes that I have to remind us of uh, what it is to worship, what it is to gather together as God's people. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, we have these very familiar words. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing nigh. I don't know about you, but I can guess, and I certainly can speak for myself, that the last year and a half has given me a greater appreciation for this gathering than ever before in my life. It has reminded me of the importance of God's people coming together in worship as the day approaches. We know that the Lord will return, and that return is imminent, and we must always be looking for his return. And as we do, it's more important each and every day that we come together, that we gather in worship of him. And so this is a central activity of the church and one that we should be engaged with at every opportunity and in every moment that we can. Some of the things that we see here in this passage before us in Acts chapter 2, first is that they were there and they were about the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. There was a level of commitment on their part that this was important and they should show up. They should be there because of the importance of their gathering and their being together. And in that gathering, they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to God's word, to the preaching of the word, the centrality of that and the importance of sitting faithfully under God's word. And then we see the idea of fellowship. And there's much overlap in our areas that we're going to discuss this morning. But certainly part of our gathering is to be together, to fellowship, to encourage one another. We also see in this passage that they broke bread together. Uh, we come together around the Lord's table to feast upon him as we enjoy communion and fellowship with the Lord and with one another. And that is certainly another important aspect of our coming together in worship. They were praying together as they gathered in worship. And so there again, the whole worship service as we come together is a dialogue between God and his people. We pray, we pray in songs, we pray in corporate prayers, and then the Lord speaks to us in his word and we respond. And so the whole service could be seen as one large prayer from beginning to end. In verse 43, the word tells us, and awe came upon every soul. As we come together and consider the Lord and consider the cross and consider who God is in all of his glory and greatness, as we sing of his majesty, as we sing of the gospel, we stand in awe of our great father. We stand in awe of our great God. They distributed the proceeds of all that they had to those that were in need. There was an opportunity for a collection, an opportunity to bring their offerings to the Lord and then to be distributed for the work of the ministry and to those that were in need. And then finally in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. We come together each and every Lord's day to worship, to sing our hallelujah to the Lord, our praising of God. We do this in a variety of ways. One of those is in our singing. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit and to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts. And in a parallel passage in Colossians, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As we sing our hymns together to the Lord, we are also addressing one another. We are teaching one another the truths of the gospel, the truths of God's word about who he is and who we are in light of that. What an incredible opportunity for you to come into this room and to be a teacher to your brothers and sisters. None of us know where where we are, what the last week has looked like for us, and we need to be singing into the hearts and minds of one another these glorious truths that the church has affirmed for centuries and centuries. What a privilege it is to sing to one another. And finally, we see in the passage that they, um, the believers were added to their number. Day by day, those who were being saved. One of the wonderful uh, effects of worship is that as people enter in here and see the worship of our great God, they are drawn in salvation to him. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 40 when he speaks of his testimony that the Lord has given him in saving him. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. As we worship our great God, may many see our new song, the song of the good news of Jesus Christ, and may they fear and may they trust in the Lord. You know, sometimes uh, I will get given to me a worship guide, and it will uh, be from the parents of one of our children who have counted how many times I've said certain words like Jesus and, and God and so on. And that's always interesting to me. But if, if one of the, the children uh, was doing that with Mark, it would have been interesting to know how many times he said together. Did you notice that? In terms of all, all of our worship and what that means, together. And that's really what we're talking about in this next section, and that is the idea of connecting. Now, there's no question that you can connect to a degree in our corporate worship because it is together. But we also understand that it's necessary if we are really to connect, it needs to be also in other places. Here's what our scripture said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship in the breaking of the bread and prayers. The fellowship, that word is the word koinonia. And I only say that Greek word because it's one that some of you will recognize as meaning uh, fellowship from the word koinos, which has to do with common, something in common. In 1977, uh, Dr. Francis Schaeffer uh, was in Chicago to promote a film series, and he made what to many was just simply a shocking statement. He said this, unless the church changes its form and gets back to community and sharing of lives personally, the church is done. 
That's how strongly he felt about the whole idea of community in the church, how essential it is if the church is even to exist as the church. So what did the fellowship look like uh, back in the early church in this, the time of this passage that we are reading about? Here's what it says. And all who, verse 44, all who believed were together and they had all things in common They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were together. And there it is again. Now that was amazing enough that uh, uh, they would not necessarily, the early church, like our church, like every church, but in the early church, they wouldn't necessarily have had much in common with each other in terms of socioeconomic, uh, education, jobs, all of those things. That wasn't what they had in common. What they had in common was one thing, Christ. That was it. And that was what brought them together and kept them together. But the key element here is that they knew each other to the point that they knew of one another's needs. Now, how do you do this? Well, this is where our application of this begins. Um, Because they were a group, at least initially, of uh, 3,120. There was the 120, and then 3,000 came to Christ. And then it kept getting bigger and bigger. Now, there's no way that if you're in a group of 3,120, that you are going to know the needs of everyone in your group. How could they know the needs? Because it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together. They were in small groups. If you have, uh, if you're ever to know people and be known here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian, you need to be in a group smaller than this one. Now, depending on your perspective, St. Andrew's is either a big church or a small church. I, I spoke with someone recently who had visited us, and they said, yeah, we decided we wanted to go back to our small church. And Somebody from a small, all of my children, except the one that goes here, go to much, much smaller churches. And most of the churches in our country are much smaller than we are. The average uh, attendance in churches in our country across the boards is under 100. But there are also much bigger churches. Either way, even if you're in a very small church, you cannot know everyone in the church. And so, that's where the connect groups come in. Because in a church our size, if you're not in in another connect group, something that will enable you to know others in the church in a closer way, you could become isolated and even lonely in a crowd. It says in verse 46, together every day they were in homes. 
So what's that look like in our church? Well, there's lots of opportunities to connect that are in various ministries. And uh, you can see that in our relaunch magazine. You'll be able to see that in the Great Hall. But, but one ministry that is designed specifically for that, for connection, is our community groups, which are in homes. So here, here's some uh, questions that you could evaluate yourself to see uh, if I'm connected to the local body of Christ here at St. Andrews. If I am a part of one or more connection groups, again, you can see what those groups look like uh, in the great hall later and plenty of opportunity to ask questions if you would like. Here's another way you know whether you're connected. If you speak of our church rather than the church, that's a difference. Do you see the difference? It's subtle, but it's a difference of talking about that thing out there or my family. And that'll help you know whether you are connected here or not. Another way is uh, if I find myself criticizing less and wanting to be more involved because you're not on the outside looking in, but on the inside. It's the old thing of, of people that are in the rowboat don't stand up, right? <laughs> you get it? <laughs> you don't stand up and rock the boat when you're in the boat. And that's the same idea here. The world we live in bullies those who are different. The church should enfold those who are different, who have a common bond in Christ. That's one of the beauties of the church. The world isolates you sit in any waiting room. I was in a waiting room this week. And what was everybody doing? Looking on their cell phone, including me. But I was looking at everybody else looking at their phone. So I, <laughs> nobody was going to talk to me. But that's what the world tends to do. It isolates. And that's what the church can combat, should bring people together to look each other in their eyes and interact with one another. In our community group, when you eat with people every week and in a home, you get to know them. And that becomes like a part of your extended family. There's a connection that grows that simply can't in large settings like this. The world says... Come into our club if you're worthy. The church should say, nobody's worthy. Come on in and be a part of us. The world says, suck it up, get in shape, tough it out. Christ says, come to me, you who are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There is a place for you at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. Let's pray. Lord, 
will you help us more and more to experience the fellowship, to enjoy connection with others here in the church. Lead us to uh, where we can do that. Give us open hearts to do that. Take away any fear of being intimidated by that because there should be none. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our look through our discipleship flow, we come to the area of grow. And I just want to leave you with two things briefly this morning about growth. First, goes back to our passage, uh, the beginning of verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Believers are to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, when we recite the Apostles' Creed, which we often do in worship here at St. Andrews, we confess belief in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Now, part of what we are confessing with that is that we believe in the teaching of the Apostles as found in Scripture. Their message was Christ's message to them and what the Spirit divinely inspired them to write down. Now this also includes the entire Old Testament, which spoke of Jesus. On the pages of the New Testament, you see throughout the apostles citing Old Testament texts, alluding to Old Testament texts, and applying them to Jesus and His fulfillment. We might also think of Earlier in the book of Acts in chapter 1, where Jesus is said to have been teaching his disciples, teaching the apostles, uh, for 40 days after his resurrection, prior to his ascension, about the kingdom of God. That teaching is found on the pages of the New Testament. So all this to say, in essence, the teaching of the apostles includes the whole counsel of God. The entire Bible. Something that Paul even refers to later in the book of Acts as something that he did not shrink back from doing. Teaching the whole counsel of God. So this is why we do things like the reading challenge that you hear us talk about. Uh, You'll find it in your worship guide even today if you don't have one already. Uh, This is a plan that our church is using to go through the entire Bible. To expose ourselves to the teaching of the apostles in that sense. And it's also why we offer classes on books of the Bible, teaching through books from the Old and New Testament, not neglecting books or steering away from books. In fact, we've taught books such as Leviticus here on Sunday mornings. So, Believers are to devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles, but why do we do this other than merely imitating the, the early church as found in the book of Acts? Well, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching because, secondly, we cannot grow as disciples of Christ without his word. You'll remember the passage, the Great Commission passage in, in Matthew chapter 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That exhortation to make disciples includes three things that are mentioned in that passage. Going, baptizing, and teaching. 
teaching is essential to being a disciple. And notice Jesus says, not just be aware of all the things I commanded. He says, obey. So growth involves not only being aware of what Jesus taught, but obeying it from the heart. Now this year, we're going to offer a variety of studies. If you look through the Relaunch magazine, you'll find a number of uh, studies that we'll be offering on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, various books of the Bible, theological and topical studies that I think you'll find relevant to our lives today. And prayerfully, you'll be learning new things and growing in your understanding. But I want to highlight one thing that is perhaps the most important aspect of growing as a disciple of Christ here at St. Andrews. Something I think you'll find much more motivating than merely looking through our growth classes as courses and curriculum. It's this. Growth involves deeper communion with Jesus Christ. If you think about it, truth is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we grow in communion with him by listening to him in his word and speaking to him in prayer. In other words, growth is not a detached analysis of data found in scripture. But rather it's personal and relational participation in Christ. So as you see all the growth opportunities that are being offered here at St. Andrews this fall, don't be overwhelmed thinking to yourself, you know, I, this is a lot of stuff. I don't, I don't have time for all of that. My life is too busy as it is. Rather, look at it this way. How can I plug into at least one growth opportunity so that I can get to know Christ better? And find rest for my soul. And who doesn't need that? Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the area of growth here at St. Andrews. That you would use these opportunities of getting into your word. To grow us to maturity in Christ which we know involves much more than knowledge in our heads. But it involves heart obedience to your commands. Lord, grow us to be more like Christ in these ways. And Lord, we thank you for the promise that we have in your word that you are able to keep us from stumbling. And to present us blameless before your presence with great joy. You will complete the work you began in us. And in that way we rejoice in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, I need that reminder. So spirit come, put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant, good and faithful.
As we continue through our, our flow, we consider the idea of serving. The New Testament church served one another from the very beginning. There wasn't a moment that they existed when they were not already serving one another. Verse 44, and all who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Mercy ministries toward each other. So what we've seen is that, that worship and fellowship and growth led to service, and then it impacted the community that they were in. Here's what it says, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Having favor, the community noticed. They saw there's something different with these people, different than they were recently. What is it? And of course, it was Christ. In Acts 6, we see the elders were taking care of widows and serving. There was a daily distribution, so much so that they were taken away from their calling and deacons were appointed. And what we see is that the the church was growing every day, but it wasn't because of an outreach strategy or program, but it was because they were building community and God was adding to them. They were being the church, and God added to their number. They enjoyed favor with all the people, and God added. Because of their relationships with one another, others were being attracted to being a part of the fellowship. And we see the results, God adding to their number daily. What attracted the people? Well, there's something beautiful about the relationship of people and the the uniqueness that they had, so much so that it was noticed by others. So why not serve in the church? Well, because my plate is full. I don't have time. Because I don't know where I'm needed. Because I don't know what I can do, what I would be good at. I've put in my time. It's time for some of the young folks to take over. I've done things in the past And no one seems to be grateful or even bother to thank me. Now, if you've said any of these to anyone else or you've said them to me, don't worry, I'm not thinking of you specifically. (laughs) These are all things that I have heard in every church I've served in my ministry. Those are very real statements. So these may all be questions or statements that uh, you might have in terms of why you're not serving, or maybe they're not. And I feel like I could go through each one of them and address them and at least uh, give you reasons why I don't think that's necessarily a, a good reason. But instead of that, I want to give you one reason 
to serve. That to me overrides any objections, any reasons not to serve. A few hours before Jesus went to the cross to die for us, he was spending the last time he could with his disciples. Now, among the disciples, you had three groups. I'm, I'm saying there were three groups. There was Peter, James, and John, those that were the closest to him. And then there were the others, and then there was Judas. Judas was about to go out and betray Jesus. And Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. But here's what happened first. Sometime during the Passover feast, the last Passover, the the first supper, the first Lord's Supper, when he had that with his disciples. Jesus got up from the table. He took off his outer garments And he went around and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Not just of that small group that was closest to him or the others, but all of them. And that included Judas. His feet were washed as well. The betrayer, the unbeliever, the one who chose silver over Jesus. And Jesus knew all of that, but he washed his feet anyway. As one said, he betrayed Jesus with clean feet. After he washed his feet, Jesus said this. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Now, it's not about foot washing. That wasn't what he was saying. Go wash each other's feet and that's it. He was talking about serving. He said he came not to be served, but to serve. And that's why a disciple is to serve. Today, you will see opportunities to serve. God called you to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church for a reason. To grow as a disciple. You don't have to do everything. But as a part of the body of Christ... There is something for you.